It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode, Liz and I talk with Dr. Terry Orbuck, also known as the Love Doctor, about how to take your marriage from good to great, which is the name of one of her books. Terry shares some principles, insights, and findings from her research following the same couples for more than 30 years. From communication and frustration to positivity and managing money, Terry breaks things down into practical principles and steps that anyone can apply. Dr. Terry Orbuck is a world-renowned relationship expert, author, speaker, therapist, distinguished professor at Oakland University, research scientist at University of Michigan's Institute for Social Research, and media personality whose practical science-based advice has helped thousands of people find and create the loving relationships they deserve. She is also the director of a landmark study funded by the National Institutes of Health, where she has been following the same couples for over three decades. Dr. Orbuck is widely published in scientific journals and the author of Five Simple Steps to Take Your Marriage from Good to Great and Finding Love Again, Six Simple Steps to a New and Happy Relationship. Her latest book is called Secrets to Surviving Your Children's Love Relationships. You can find more information about Terry and her resources by visiting Dr. Terry, the love doctor, Com. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Stronger Marriage Connection. I'm Dr. Dave here at Utah State University alongside Dr. Liz Hale, our licensed clinical psychologist. We are dedicating this podcast to really bring you the best research and resources, the tips, the tools to help you have the marriage of your dreams. Okay, I consider our special guest today a friend and a colleague. We're currently working on some research um, projects together. And I actually first heard of her as an undergraduate student some 20 years ago. So she's a legend and a world-renowned relationship expert when it comes to marriage and loving relationships. She's an incredible author. She's a speaker, a therapist, a professor, and her amazing TEDx talk has had more than 2.8 million views. Can you imagine that? Liz, she's known as the love doctor, Dr. Terry. I love it. Welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection, my friend. Oh, thank you, Dave, for that wonderful introduction. And hello to you and hello to you, Liz, too. Yeah, such a pleasure. Yeah, we appreciate you joining us. Hey, can we start things off, Terry? Um, A little bit about this is when I was first introduced to you. I was following your research and and it was kind of the beginning stages back then when I was an undergraduate student. Can you tell us a little bit more about the research you've been doing following the same couples for over 30 years? Yes, and it is a wonderful research project. It's funded by the National Institutes of Health. And as you said, Dave, we've been following the same 373 couples now for over 30 years. And at the beginning, we were interested in what keeps couples together and what breaks them apart in early marriage. But I think it was such a wonderful study that we continued and continued to get funded. And once individuals get divorced or they 
experience the loss of a partner due to death, we continue to follow the individuals as well. So we've been interested in what keeps couples together and happy over time, but also then what are the factors that predict who repartners and who doesn't, the effects of divorce and the death of a spouse on individuals and on children as well. So, and it's a really great sample or group of couples. They, it turns out that they're very common and similar to couples all over the United States. Wow. So it's very representative. Yeah. Yeah. And is there just like the, um, the short way to tell us a little bit about what what you're seeing? Mm, What are the juicy bits, Harry? Yeah, I think, you know, Liz, that is really the book, How to Take Your Marriage from Good to Great, because it's all about the happy couples that stayed together over time. And I should say that 46% of the couples divorced, Liz, and that is the national average these days, the divorce rate of couples, married couples in the United States. So that turned out great. Um, and... A statistic that I give often that's so positive and optimistic is that 71% of those couples who divorced or those individuals who got divorced actually repartnered in happy, healthy relationships over time. So that's a a high percentage, 71% for those people who are listening and happen to be divorced. That is a great statistic. Wow. So 71% not only remarry, but they remarry happily. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. That is impressive because we don't always hear that, right? We Mm -hmm. hear it's got a higher divorce rate and doom and gloom, right? We set that precedence a little bit, mainly to try to encourage couples to stay in their original partnership but sometimes that's not always the case. Right. You say. That is not always the case. And uh, if you're an individual thinking about that in an unhappy marriage or an abusive marriage, you can see that statistic. That's so positive and optimistic. You have written a few books, the one you just mentioned. And can we talk about your book, Five Simple Steps to Take Your Marriage from Good to Great? What makes it, what makes a difference or what, what's unique about it? And how is the, um, how is the audience for this book? Who is the audience for this book, please, Terry? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking. And, you know, that was my first popular book. Um, and it's really based on this study that I just talked to you about, this long-term study. It looks at the couples who are happy and still married over time. And I think this book is unique and different because what I do is I distill all the information, all the science from this research project and make it accessible to the public in understandable, easy to understandable tips and quizzes and strategies and exercises that anyone can do, whether you're an individual in a marriage or with your partner in marriage. And I think it's for couples who are okay in their marriage or relationship, good, even great, but they're interested in making their relationship even better. And what I like to say is who doesn't deserve a great marriage, an exceptional marriage. So that's why I say it's a great book for all of those couples. Is there just a little tease you want to give us? Like what would be a small exercise or a small idea? I love the small and simple, Terry, right? Mm -hmm. Because my brain can do that small and simple. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's true, Liz. It's all about the small and simple. It's all about the little things. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I feel too overwhelmed. I feel frozen if it's like I need a major overhaul. But if you can give me one small little thing I could do differently, do you have one of those for us, Terry? Yes. Well, it's my favorite. Um, and I think it's the most important thing for marriages and relationships over time. It's what I call affirmation. And affirmation is the degree to which you make your partner feel special, cared for, noticed, and seen. And we all want to be seen, right? We don't want to be taken for granted, ignored, or dismissed. So, and, and I should say first, in terms of my study, it was more important for the husbands or the men to be seen than the women. And when men didn't report that their wife gave them frequent affirmation, that couple was two times more likely to divorce over time. That's big. I know. So very important. And that wasn't true for the women. Affirmation. Affirmation. But let me give you a small thing then, Liz, you asked for every single day. I want people in relationships to wake up and say, I'm going to say something so that my partner knows that they are seen or do something for my partner so that they know they're seen. So you can say, I love you. You're wonderful. You make my life exciting. I love you more now than when we first met. Those are all words that you can say once a day and or (laughs) do something. So let's say your partner needs caffeine in the morning, turn on the coffee pot, put gas in your car. That's what my husband does for me, Um, because for some whatever reason, I don't like to put gas in my car. So he puts gas in my car and that makes me feel seen and valued and cared for. So any small set of words, phrases or gestures significantly increases stability and happiness in your relationship. And that's so simple. Wake up and do one of those every single day. Hmm. Oh, I love that. It, it feels like the small things often that I hear frequently and this intentionality, right? Um, Terry, um, and you mentioned in the, in the book that contrary to popular belief that the biggest relationships uh, or the biggest reason that relationships don't work is not conflict. It's it's not lack of communication or even sexual incompatibility. You say it's frustration. So can you please explain further what you mean? Yes. Well, frustration, and that's exactly what I found, Dave. But frustration is the difference between what you think is going to happen in your relationship. Those should statements that we all have in our mind, right? My partner should do this. This is what should happen in my relationship. And what actually does occur, the realities of your relationship. So again, it's the difference between your expectations and what occurs in your relationship. And frustration then occurs when there's a big gap or a big difference. And frustration eats away at happiness in your relationship. And I can see that in my couples over time. They think that their partner should do this or the relationship should happen like this. And then it doesn't happen. They're frustrated, disappointed, and their happiness goes down over time. For example, If you think that a perfect relationship is one with no conflict and what we know and what I have found and other studies have found that conflict disagreements and differences are inevitable in your relationship. In fact, there were 12 couples in my study in year one 
who said, we never fight. We never have conflict. None of those couples were together in year three. No, not one. Yeah. None of them because differences, disagreements, conflict are inevitable. We don't marry ourselves. We marry somebody from a different background, family, you know, religion, gender. So we're going to have those differences. So if you believe that and then you have conflict, you're going to be disappointed and frustrated. I'm sorry, Liz, were you going to comment? No, I'm sorry. I'm just saying, yeah, thank goodness I didn't marry myself. Wouldn't mm-hmm. want that. Yeah. How boring, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how boring. So Terry, I have, this is fascinating. I have to ask, then how do, how do we neutralize that frustration? You know, do we change our expectations? What, what do you recommend? Well, I think we have general expectations and should statements, all of us, and then we have specific expectations and should statements. So for the general expectations, in order to reduce frustration, we need to make sure that we have realistic expectations. So we can't always believe the media and the common sense notions out there or the reality shows or the romance novels, right? We need to make sure that we have realistic, good information from science. Science should be fun. Um, I know that a lot of people don't read science, and that's why I encourage them to read my books and others based on science. And then in terms of your specific personal expectations, my partner should do this or that. I think we need to sit back as individuals and figure out what are the most important things for me in a good, ideal relationship. What's important? And we did this with our couples to figure out what are the top 16 expectations and should statements. And then once you identify your top two or three, share them with your partner. Because the other thing we found in the study is that similarity in those specific personal expectations between you and your partner is not important for happiness or stability. But what is important for happiness and stability is that you know your partner's expectations or top should statements And they know yours. So communicating them, first identifying yours, and then sharing them with your partner is what's so important for happiness and stability over time. Well, very good. I love these small and simple things. You know, I thank you so much for reminding us that affirmations are especially useful, helpful, meaningful to husbands, right? The constant pouring of what I love and appreciate when I write, say something, do something that's going to make them feel valued, cared for, seen, loved, known. Did I get that right? Yes, exactly. And, then, and you know, it, I said it's more important for husbands than wives, Liz. Um, but it's also important. Affirmation is all, also important for wives and women. It's just what I found is that as women, you and I, <laughs> we don't rely on our husbands for all the affirmation and validation in our lives. We have so many other people that we can turn to or that we hear validation from our sisters, our best friends, our children, our colleagues, even the stranger. I like to say when I walk into the same coffee shop, 
right by my, you know, locally. And the barista says, oh, Terry, you know, I like your new haircut or where did you get those new glasses? Right. As women, we get a lot of affirmation from a lot of people in our lives. But men, Dave and other men, you don't, you're not as lucky. You don't get that affirmation from other people. So you depend on it and you rely on it from your romantic partners or wives. And that's why it's so important to get it from that other person, from that person, your wife. Great explanation. So then Terry, do you mind? Is there another little cheat sheet? Like what is more important to women? What is, so affirmations to men is what to women? What do, what do we need more? Mm, we need to feel like we're part of a team, that we're in this relationship together. So come and tell me, oh, we, and, and those we statements are so important for us as women. We want to sit down and figure out how to discipline our teenager or what should we do about the fact that my mother wants to have a say in our marriage, right? <laughs> so when we are made to feel like part of a team and we're in this together, we feel happy. We really do in our relationships. I can relate to that. That's well Me too. Said. I never would have <laughs> articulated it like that, but you're spot on, Terry. Ooh. Thank you. We'll be right back after this brief message. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was senseless and i will never understand it i will never accept it i'm amy donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt in a new podcast the letter we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives the realities of grief and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Let's dive right in. So... Terry, tell us, what is the 10-minute rule that partners need to practice? Mm, And I love this, Dave, because it's all about communication. But I should first say that when we talked to couples and when we interviewed couples and all years of the study, every single couple says we communicate. And not every couple is happy and not every couple stays together that says we communicate. So what I found is that most couples think they're communicating. But what they're really doing is what I call maintenance talk. They're talking about who should pick up the kids after school, pay the bills, do the grocery shopping, call mom, or do the laundry. That's called maintenance talk. But what happy couples who are together do is real communication. And real communication is when we share our dreams, our goals, our aspirations, our stressors. We talk about the important things, not just maintenance talk. 
So the 10 minute rule is something that happy couples do over time. And that is 10 minutes every single day talking to your partner about something other than these four topics, your relationship, who's doing what around the house, the children or family or work. So talk to your partner about something other than those four topics. Now I have to say when I, when I tell people that of the 10 minute rule, some couples say, Oh no, what are we going to talk about? What else? else? Right. Exactly. Liz. And then the other half of couples say 10 minutes. That's all. Don't you want me to talk more? (laughs) But what we found is that again, It's the little things. It's the simple things. It's only really 10 minutes. And try it. It's not actually as simple as we think because it's doing it every day. Our lives get busy in a relationship over time. We have children. We have work. We have parents. We have illness. We have volunteering. We want to exercise and eat well. So if you can do 10 minutes, only 10 minutes every single day, I know that your relationship will be stronger, happier, and more stable over time. Hmm. That's powerful. And, and it's whenever I imagine some couples are so busy that it's often, you know, as they're getting ready to, you know, go to sleep and they're brushing their teeth or whatever, and they, they're able to actually connect without a, a baby crying or a teenager, you know, coming in and to chat. That's, so they just make that time, find that time, set that aside. You just set that aside. And I even talk to people, Dave, that it doesn't even have to be face to face. So you can call your partner because some people are, you know, long distance marriages or relationships. Some people are, you know, traveling and some people are busy during their day and they don't have the time even at night because their partner is sleeping by the time they get home. So you can even do that 10 minutes over the phone. That's how simple that it could be every single day. And it's really all about mirroring your relationship like when you first met. Because when you first met your relationship partner or your spouse, you were constantly asking questions and interested in telling them about your lives, your dreams, your goals, your aspirations. But over time, we forget to do that. We forget to share and we forget to ask questions about to our partner as well. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Couples will often come in and say, we have a communication problem, right? But usually they're communicating just fine. They're communicating how unhappy they are with each other, right? That somebody forgot to let the dog out, that somebody did this wrong. But so I I love the 10 minutes without those things. No, we can't talk about the relationship, the chores, the children, family, or work. That's a tall order, but I love it. Oftentimes, too, Terry, I find that couples will come in and they'll say, you know, I love him, but I'm not in love with him anymore. How can couples reignite that passion in their relationship? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing that I talk to couples about, Liz, is that that is normal. 
excitement and passion declining is inevitable in all relationships because, and, and this is study after study that has shown that after about 12, 18, even 24 months of being with someone, the newness wears off and we begin to know our partner for who they really are. And on one hand, that's wonderful, right? We know our partner. We know what makes them tick. We know we can predict what they might say or not say. We know what they like to do. And that is what promotes stability and what I call companionate love. And the companionate love is the love of friendship and intimacy. And that's the love that keeps couples together long term. So that's the first thing I say, Liz, that it is normal and inevitable for passion and excitement to decline and sometimes even disappear. But we all know that we want that excitement and good, happy, healthy relationships over time also need some passion and excitement. And in fact, one of the things I found is that boredom, a lack of passion, does predict unhappiness. So we need to have the passion and excitement and we need to get, get to get out of that rut or boredom. So there are three strategies that I always give that are based on science. The first is you want to do something new and novel with your partner. And it should be new to both of you. So that can be as simple as going to a new restaurant or trying a new food or trying or signing up for a new class, salsa dance class that you've never done with each other or going to a new vacation spot. Anything new and novel will increase the passion and excitement. Second, you want to do something mysterious or surprising that gives you that, oh, wow, kind of feeling. So that can be some, you know, asking your partner a question that you've never asked them, like, who were you closest to, your mom or your dad growing up? Or, you know, I never know that I've asked you, I've never asked you, did you have a pet when you were growing up? So any different surprising information or doing something surprising. In fact, one of the wives in my study said that she took her husband on a treasure hunt across the city and they ended up at a restaurant and that increased the passion and excitement because he had no idea what was happening. And he kept saying, wow, you know, this is great. What is happening? And then the final strategy, which is my favorite, is to do what I call arousal producing activities with your partner. And this is clean and it actually has nothing to do with sex. But what we know based on science and research is that when you do something that is arousal producing with your partner, like exercise, a scary movie, a comedy show where you have that big laugh, or even go on a roller coaster ride with your partner. The adrenaline or arousal that's produced through this other activity, as long as you do it with your partner, can get transferred to your partner and your relationship and increase passion and excitement. So those are the three strategies that I often give to couples and my clients as well to increase passion and excitement. And they're actually very simple, right? They are simple. Yeah. 
I love that. They are simple. Anyone can do those. And I've never thought about that, Terry, of doing something that increases your heart rate and other emotions then that transfers over into your relationship, into that intimacy. That That's fascinating. Thank you. I, I have to come back, Terry, to we talked about differences, right? Managing differences and, and how all couples will, will have differences. Do you have tips then for for our listeners, what is it? How can listeners really handle conflict fairly and, and, and respectively? Mm-hmm. Well, that's such a good question, Dave. And I share lots of strategies in my book. You know, how to take your marriage from good to great. Five simple steps to take your marriage from good to great. But let me share just a few <laughs> um, because it is so important. And as you know, we've talked about all couples have these differences and disagreements. The first that I think is so important is that it's okay to take a break when you're irritated and upset, as long as you share that with your partner. So you don't want to storm off or stonewall them. You can say to them, I need to take a break of minutes or seconds and I'll be right back. So you can go down and get a glass of water. You can go take a walk around the block and then your brain waves can go back to normal because it turns out neuropsychologists argue that when we're irritated and upset, it does something to our brain waves and we can't problem solve very well. And in fact, what happens is that things just get worse if we don't calm ourselves and take a break. Second, I'm all about validation rather than dismissing your partner. We never like to be dismissed. And dismissal statements are like, oh, you can't feel that way. Or I can't believe you're angry. No, you're not angry. Those are dismissal statements. And what that does is it, again, makes the conflict and emotions worse. So instead, validate your partner. And the big word there is, I understand, or anything that it says, Understand. I understand you're angry. And again, secret, you don't have to accept it. You don't even have to agree with it. But saying I understand that you're upset and angry allows our partner to feel validated. And then we can go on and deal with the conflict constructively. And the last one that I'll just share, because there's so many, Dave, is what I call try not to do what I call kitchen sinking. And we know when we look at studies that women are better at this, unfortunately, than men. (laughs) And kitchen sinking is when we put everything into the discussion or the argument at once. And instead, what you want to do is keep each issue or specific annoyance separate. So instead of saying, you know, I was upset last night because you weren't X, Kitchen sinking would be, I was upset last night, and you know what? I was upset last week, and you know, last uh, holiday when you didn't talk to my mom, I also got upset, and in fact, I'm upset with something you did when we got married. That is kitchen sinking, bringing everything into the argument at once. Keep it one and specific, because then it doesn't box your partner into, oh, I don't know where to go. They can address the annoyance, the behavior, or the issue. Mm, very helpful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we often say, and another thing, and another thing, right? <laughs> you 
That makes me smile. I don't know. I mean, what women tend to do is our relationship events are connected in our brain. So we just go from event to event in our minds. Well, I know a husband who goes from event to event too, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing, yeah. That may or may not have been done in my home. Just just saying. <laughs> well, you know, when I do report science or research, Liz, as you know, it doesn't include everybody, right? We always have men who don't fit and women who don't fit, and that's fine. When we talk about research findings, we're probably talking about 80% of the people. You know, what are those top areas that we struggle with? Um, Terry, I mean, I, I, it seems like it's like sex is one, um, children, money. Would you say those are the top three or in-laws? What would you add like the top? Well, first I would say, Liz, that the number one source of tension or conflict among couples is money. And that was something that we found in my long-term study in every year of the study. The topic of money, how much to save or spend, what to spend on, you know, should we give our money away to charities or should we keep it? How should we put it away? There's so many topics. And I think that's because the meaning of money is different for different people. And we learn the meaning of money through our parents and our family. So for some people, um, money means ego. For other people, it means safety or security. And for other people, it means love. So money is the number one source of tension. Because it's so loaded with such meaning Mm. and background. Yeah. It is so loaded. But you're right. Couples have disagreements also about children, about family, about in-laws, about leisure time. There are all kinds of topics, but money is number one. And the good news about that is for couples listening is that you're not alone, right? These things Mm -hmm. are really pretty common for all of us. Mm -hmm. It's part of being married. It's part of being married. And again, because we come to the marriage or the relationship from different families and backgrounds. So we've had many years with these values and these underlying attitudes about these other topics. So many people don't discuss them before marriage, which is a whole nother issue. But also, um, we're going to have those differences. And it's how we work them out and how we manage and are able to resolve those differences. That's important. Mm. Man, Terry, this has been so, so helpful, so insightful. And what I love about the way that you um, teach and express all this is it's so very practical. These are simple things that the happy couples that you found in in your study um, are doing in their relationship. Let me ask you a question that we ask all of our um, couples, Terry, and that is, what do you think then, either from the study, from your practice, from your research, Mm -hmm. what is the key to a, a stronger marriage connection? Mm. Well, I think from my study, as well as my clients, but I think even more so from my study, is that happy couples focus on what's going well and focus on the positive rather than the problems or what's not going well. And that was so evident as I follow the couples over time. Because when they focused on the positive, it motivated them. It 
push them forward. And when we focus on the negative, it overpowers the positive. You know, negatives are so strong in our mind that we don't see what's going well. So I think it's very simple. Uh, look for the positive. Look for the strengths in your relationship and look for what's going well and focus and concentrate on those. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. We talk a little bit about what Dave and I, we have, the other night we did a marriage seminar. We put these big rosy glasses on, right? Not to pretend that things are you know, there, then we don't have issues or problems, but to focus on what is good, to focus on the good in our partner. Don't we all want to be seen? I don't want to be seen through. I don't want to be seen through the negative of my of, of my faults, right, or my the errors I've committed. I really want my husband to see the better parts of me. Don't we all want that? And and that's because none of us are perfect, right? We all make mistakes. And so when we can acknowledge that within ourselves, we can also acknowledge that within our partners as well. And then shift the approach to see what's good rather than the mistakes. Yeah. And whatever I focus on grows, right, Terry? We just see more of it. Yeah. It's kind of like when you decide to have a baby, all of a sudden you see Toys R Us on a, on the corner. <laughs> like, I didn't even know they were there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just plant exactly. that seed. We always find what we're looking for, right, Terry? If we're looking for yes. positive, we'll find, if we're looking for the negative, we'll find that as well. Exactly. It's all about, you said that at the beginning, intentionality as well. And so if we intend to find the positives, we will find the positives. Beautiful. We love that. Where can listeners go to see and find more information on you, Terry, the, the books and the resources, all that you've got going today? Mm-hmm. Well, my website is the best place, Liz, and that's Dr. Terry, D-R-T-E-R-R-I, thelovedoctor.com. So that's all one word, Dr. Terry, thelovedoctor.com. And there you can find, I now have three popular books based on science where I distill the science from this study into three books. One is Five Simple Steps to Take Your Marriage from Good to Great. The second one is on those people who divorced. So uh, Finding Love Again, Six Simple Steps to a New and Happy Relationship. And then the third book is for parents, Secrets to Surviving Your Children's Love Relationships. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Dr. Terry Love DR as well. But that's all on my website. Wow. That last one, just real quick, is that for parents of adult children? Mm. Parents of children between the ages of 13 to 30. Because it's never too early or too late to model healthy relationships in front of your children. And then second, begin to have the discussions about relationships that are so important for our children to learn and understand. They are always watching us, aren't they? They are. (laughs) They really are. And that's most important is what I found is that kids are watching us and they're learning even more, like you said, Liz, from those behaviors that we're modeling than listening to us and our words and the discussions. Yeah. Got to be watching what we're doing. So, Terry, we will, um, for our listeners, we'll put all of the the information, the the website, the names of the books, the links, your social media. We'll put it all in our show notes. So, listeners, yeah, check out our show notes for all of those links to Terry's uh, amazing resources. 
All right. Before we wrap up, we'd like to wrap up with a, a takeaway of the day. Um, Terry, what, what do you hope that listeners will remember and take away from our rich discussion today? Well, I think it's something that we talked about throughout this episode, and it's that it's all about the little things. It's all about waking up and giving words of affirmation or actions of affirmation, spending 10 minutes every single day talking about something other than those four topics, or implementing small changes to add excitement and passion to your relationship. If you can think that way rather than, oh, what big things do I have to do? Then you'll have a happy, healthy relationship over time. Mm -hmm. oh, that's great. I love that, Terry. Uh, Liz, what's your takeaway of the day? Well, since that was such a beautiful summary, things are thinking of as well. The other thing I really loved is no kitchen sinking, right? Let's just take one issue at a time. Your, your brain just gets overloaded and overwhelmed. And I can think straight, speak straight. But if we could just talk about one issue, one concern at a time, we could do well. What about you, Dave? What's your takeaway? Yeah, Terry, I love the, the I'm going to come back to the affirmations just because you, you, and it is a little bit gendered. And I do, I feel, I feel like, yeah, as a male, you know, I don't have this big group of friends or kind of, you know, my, even my dad or brothers or anyone that I'm, I'm you know, chummy with and get on the phone and, and talk a whole lot with. And so those, yeah, if you're a female and you're listening to this and yes, those are powerful. Those little affirmations, just the little things that you say that you do, that you're needed, you appreciate it. Hey, what's going on in your day? Um, those are wonderful things. So I love that. I am thankful. Yeah. Terry, that you, you brought that up today. I like that. I like both of those, Dave and Liz. Thank you. <laughs> a nice way to affirm affirmations, Dave. Really? Yeah. That, that was powerful. I forget about the difference of these social circles that we automatically have as women. Ah, brilliant. Yeah. Well, Terry, uh, Dr. Terry Orbeck, we appreciate your time um, and your many insights. I think it's fascinating from the study that's what I love about this. It's science-based uh, science and research-backed, this information that you've been sharing us. And I think most importantly, these are simple little things, not major overhauls, but little tweaks that you've found for those couples as you've followed them along uh, who have had those happy, healthy relationships. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on today. And we'll see you next time on another episode of Stronger Marriage Connection. And remember, it's the small and simple things that make a stronger marriage connection. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel, where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at StrongerMarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.